Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress with your host, Susan Simmons. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm just glad you showed up again to work. How about this? Two weeks in a I know. row. It's been hard coming back to work. <laughs> you just wait. You wait. I'm not going to show up one day. And you're going to be sitting here going, like, hmm. now what do I do? <laughs> It'll be TomTheBomb.com's well, show. If it's just the podcast, I could probably do it. Oh, no. I'm leaving you my phone. <laughs> I'm leaving you the That's dog. That's what I'm scared of. Is the dog's fine. I'm leaving you the bird. Well, that I'm not parrot. sure about that Yeah, bird. you and that parrot, we're going to move him to your house. How's that? Uh, yeah, my parrot's possessed, and yeah. he loves to tell cops to shut up. He's he, very entertaining. He is. When he, when he wants to be. Yeah, when you go out there to him, he doesn't say a word. Oh, no. Looks and at you. as soon as he hears you out front, he'll, he'll start screaming and yelling and sound like a kid back there screaming for help. And Yeah, I have to tell the funny story about when I moved in my house in, <laughs> in Alabama. The Pelham and Hoover police officers can validate this because I lived on a lake, and on the top deck is where the bird lived, and we had just moved in. And one of the neighbors called the police and said, I had a child locked in a closet. <laughs> and I'm out running errands. And the sergeant calls and goes, what the hell's going on at your house? And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, the neighbors say you have a kid locked in the closet. I went, I started laughing. I said, you got people at my house? He goes, yeah. I said, tell them to walk around back where the lake is and come upstairs on the deck. Came up there and the bird just looks at him. I said, now tell him to walk around the front. They get to the front. He starts screaming, hello. hello! <laughs> they walk back around. He's just sitting there. It's they like a gamey place. <laughs> Have you ever been to Higley Hot Dogs? <laughs> Years ago, we would go over there and eat, and they had a parrot in there. Oh, boy. And of course, cops would go in there and talk to this parrot. You'd be sitting there eating, and the parrot would say, I'm going to get the wall. <laughs> I shoot in the position. <laughs> See, I can't get mine to say the right stuff. That would be great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine almost got me arrested by an Alabama trooper yeah. one time. Telling me to shut up, telling him to shut up. He couldn't see the bird. He thought it was me. <laughs> it was great. And then he pulled me every time he saw me to see if I had the bird. <clears throat> yeah, it was quite entertaining. That's one of the ways I got known by to the troopers before I started teaching them in Alabama. And that little trooper loved that bird. And I thought, well, I'm fixing to give him to you. <laughs> you can but have yet him. he's here. I'll yeah, he's here. <laughs> Till he goes to your house. <clears throat> All right. Anyway, we have two very interesting guests that we recently have met, which is kind yes. of sad to say that I've been here almost 10 years. And I don't know if you guys had, re when did, had y'all already retired? Yeah, I retired in 2011. I got here the year after. Okay. And when did you retire? 2002. Here? Okay. Yeah. So I don't feel so bad then because I no. thought they were both in it. and Oh, no. Just didn't <clears throat> have the pleasure of meeting me. They were sooner. smart and started young. Thank and you. Then retired. Appreciate that. Yes. Right. Well, <laughs> I another hand waited. Yeah, which really makes me question. You know, when you're young and dumb, you can kind of understand how you could get sucked up into this, right. right? But what excuse do you have? Well, I always wanted to be an officer. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> but when I got into the military, I was having fun and enjoyed it, and then I was convinced to get out to set up a permanent location for my kids to grow up in. so then i said okay i'll do that then i'm gonna go be an officer whatever yeah anyway so tell us about you guys tell us your names and your nonprofit that you have started and all about what it does give us your background 
tell us who you if if you can or want to. <laughs> I don't know. You may not want to tell us. Well, I guess I'll start with uh, I'm Craig Lewis, and I retired after 24 years in law enforcement, as I mentioned back in 2011. Uh, went to the corporate world, so I'm still employed there. I uh, do a lot of investigations and things for the uh, Fortune 500 company. Cool. And don't want to tell them who it is because I don't know how they'll feel about it. Sure. But we're not getting paid to advertise for them, so right. Sure. Um, so I did a lot of assignments over my 24 years. I had a fantastic career. Um, worked a lot in primarily investigations through most of my career. Uh, spent some time, about nine years actually, working undercover. Uh, was assigned to the DEA for a period of time. I've done everything from working in our helicopter unit, investigations as a supervisor and detectives, and uh, compliance, reviewing internal affairs investigations. I know, I know, oh, I know. Callie, we didn't but, know. Uh, we didn't do enough background on him before we brought. What were we thinking? That, that's How okay. Did we vet this guy. I thought you vetted him. You must have done that when you were on vacation. That's okay. I vetted you guys. <laughs> yeah, we were never part of the rat squad. <laughs> well, we may have just lost some listeners. I, I didn't actually do the investigations. I reviewed to make sure that the investigations they did were appropriate and compliant and, and tell us you leaned in the favor <clears throat> of the of well, the sworn person <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this I, I i leaned in the favor of the line guy not being the end of the rope the okay. buck didn't stop at the line it had okay. to move up. right so yeah, if you're gonna was, take this one let's take the sergeant with him i'm with you or the lieutenant or the, lieutenant, or the captain commanders, whoever it didn't sure. matter but you know it, it's not always just the guy on the street that's the cause of the problem. Right. Well, we know the top half will take credit for the good stuff. <laughs> well, they're the ones that are usually shoving that line guy in yeah. the line. So, um, but I, that's, that was my last assignment. That was not my favorite assignment. And I can say, honestly, over all of the assignments I held, I enjoyed every single one of them, mm -hmm. except that one. Yeah, so. I think they ought to let me be in charge of internal affairs at some department yeah that's a yeah yeah that'll work <laughs> so <laughs> not guilty next next <laughs> moving right along <laughs> all the line people would love that yes they would <laughs> i'll let jerry tell you a little bit about him and then we can talk about how we got started into this uh this road we're on now cool okay yeah my name's jerry and i Started in law enforcement real, real young. I was 20 years old, and I did two years in the jail. Um, and I tell you, you can learn more about yourself and human nature in six months in the jail than you can in three Amen. years on the street. Did Amen. they let you out nightly? Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, so. just to be clear, he wasn't <laughs> in the jail. Right. He was working. He was assigned in to the jail. jail. So, okay. I mean, to tell you how things have changed. <laughs> My first day in law enforcement, they literally gave me my badge ID card, told me to go get yeah. my uniform yep. and show up at the jail. We had no training academy whatsoever. Sure. We ran the jail with 750 inmates and a total of six officers. Wow. The first night, the sergeant tells me, he says, if you get into a fight, there's nobody here to come bail you out. Render them unconsciously as quickly as you can. Do you know how to choke somebody up? Wow. We actually carried saps in the jail when I started. Now... If you don't mind, what year was that? 
1980. No, uh, that would have been 78. Oh. You know, yeah. the sad thing is, is I know some sworn guys that started their careers <laughs> that way with yeah. no academy. Right. They had yeah. a year to send them, and yeah. I thought, ooh, look, ooh, I bet a lot of people's civil rights are violated exactly. in that year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand so, that. So there was a, a hiring freeze and some stuff, and, uh, you know, benefits were crazy. Anyway, I left the department completely uh, for a few years, and then I came back as a deputy in 1982. I did 20 years, and then my philosophy— <laughs> you go to an academy? Yes. <laughs> okay. Just checking. My, my philosophy at the time was do my 20 and leave, sure. and, which is what I did. Uh, kind of like Craig, I thought I had a great career— uh, at one time, I used to say I got paid for 19 years and got paid for it. But mm -hmm. looking back, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of play, but there's also a lot of pay for that play. Absolutely. Um, I started out in patrol uh, in a area that uh, all of our we had a very large retirement community in our section, mm -hmm. and all of the beats had a portion of that retirement community, and so you have a lot of you have a lot of death that you deal with and stuff. I worked six suicides in one day. You know, just to kind of, what, but I did patrol for three years. Then I went into our like patrol section, mm -hmm. uh, did that for several years, went to warrants and fugitives, did that for a while, which was very, very, that, that, been fun. That, that was a lot of fun and very sure. interesting, yeah. you know. And you know, the like patrol, <clears throat> that's what you said, you were yes. in like patrol. Um, you know, I always, when I got out here, thought that was the real fun, kind of the cool kids stuff. And boy, I've learned there's a lot of baggage that comes with that part of it with yeah. the dive team and yeah right you know the stuff i thought looked fun and exciting suddenly had some real dark places in it <laughs> that we well, have yes. dealt with a I lot mean, you can here. deal with some you know uh the body recoveries and stuff yes. you know it's is you know that's part of it i mean whenever there's a a, a drowning you're working it you're yeah. either a diver or you're doing the, the crew on the boat and sure. sometimes you do both uh then uh I wound up going to our fatal traffic teams, doing the reconstruction for the fatal traffic accidents. Mm -hmm. I was promoted for sergeant to sergeant. Went back to patrol for a year, uh, and then I went down to our GID section. And as a sergeant, I supervised our fatal traffic teams, auto theft, and our sex offender notification unit at the same time. Yeah, <clears throat> no garbage in his garbage yeah, can. No, uh -uh. And then my last three years, I did in training advanced officer coordinator. Well, thank you both for yeah. your long-term service. And um, I'm sure there were some very difficult times in there, very different than what it is today, obviously, but. Um, some the same, but some, some differences. Yeah. Environmental say. stuff yeah. that. Yeah. Is a little bit different in the way you can handle and can't handle things. And Craig and I were talking yesterday about how, Society plays such a big role on that. You know, you go through, when we first started, overall, you had a lot more support from society than yes, police officers right. do today. At and least then, verbal. Yes. And then you went through, you know, the Rodney King incident, mm -hmm. and then all the cops were bad guys. Yep. Right. And then you went through 9-11, yep. and all the cops and firemen were heroes. Right. Absolutely. And that lasted for a couple of years, and then the firemen retained the hero status but the cops became the bad guys again sure yeah. and you know now but know. see y'all didn't y'all didn't get to police with the benefit of facebook police 
Well, in fact, someone told me one time, he said, yeah, but you were a cop BC. And I looked at him thinking he was making a comment about my age, but he said before cell phones. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. But see, course. I love all the Facebook warriors that know everything. They're oh, a yeah. cop, but they're going to tell you how to do that job and how to cuff them and not to shoot them and be nice to them and talk. See, I don't know how y'all did it. It's, I don't know. It's, it's forever changed at this point. I it think. has. You know, yeah. it, it really is. And I'm. I'm fortunate that I came on when I did yes. and I benefited from the knowledge base that was there from the old timers that were still there. It came up in the fifties and sixties in law enforcement, sure. which was a whole different atmosphere, right. sure. as we said, not necessarily always the best times either. Uh, but it was just a different approach and the public's respect for law enforcement was different when we first came on. Well, right. I, I started think the camaraderie <clears throat> was different. It, it, that's, that's somewhat sure. discouraged these right. days and you know there's definitely some generational differences yes. and some some other differences that society has changed and and the whole job is different now. absolutely and um yeah i'll be honest with you I, I don't know if i could do the job that i i certainly couldn't do it the way i did it right but right. I, you know and i'm not not that i did I ever did anything that that shouldn't have been done but and i don't have it's any problem with somebody nice. looking over the back of my shoulder but it's all the second guessing that's going yes. on, the armchair quarterbacking that's going yeah. on. And these days, I think the biggest issue we face is the media's portrayal. Yes, because you can take body cam and they forget. That doesn't give peripheral. That doesn't give gut instinct. That doesn't give a whole lot of the picture, and it can look bad, and it's not. what it. Right. You're always getting this judgment call before the facts are in. And yeah, I learned a long time ago, I was, at one time I was assigned to a, our major crimes unit, and I had a reporter approach me on, on, a, on a case we're working on, a, a pretty notable homicide case, and he flat made the statement, if you won't give me the information, I will just print what I think is <laughs> needs to be printed. You know, so, I mean, Jeez. that's just kind of... I'll fill in the blanks. Yeah. <laughs> and that's back in the early 90s. Yeah. Sure. And, and it's just progressed since then till you know, now we're in the day and age of, you know, the World Wide Web, where you can post any... Anyone can post anything, and it's a fact until someone says it's not. And right. once it's out there, you can't get it back. Absolutely. So yeah. facts really don't matter anymore. And, you know, what you see now with the media is, you know, they're quick to take the side... I, I, I didn't want to go down this road today, but, <laughs> okay. but they're real quick to take the side of, you know, well, you, you, you shouldn't die for having a bad driver's license or for, I think this latest one was uh, the, the, uh, the place didn't belong to car, this Michigan officer that's in yeah. trouble right now. Yeah. And it's like, hold on a minute. <laughs> right. You right. Know, that's not why he died. He exactly. died because of what he did after he got stopped exactly. and his interaction with police after that. And until society kind of recognizes the role they play in all of this, yes, we can't fix the problem. Right. And, and I'm not saying there isn't a, a law enforcement issue that needs to be addressed. Sure. But, but you know. A lot if, of that could be alleviated if they just comply with absolutely. the basic so traffic the, stop. The rules. media message should be more yeah. about you know, look, this tragedy wouldn't happen if we respected the law enforcement officer doing his job. Right. And, you know, let's not litigate it on the side of the road. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what we got courts for. Absolutely. Right. Well, and that therein brings up another issue that because all of this is, is impacting our law enforcement officers mm -hmm. 
and it's garbage in their garbage can. But, you know, when you're doing your job and you've got these liberal prosecutors and this guy over in L.A., and for those in Alabama, I'm not talking about lower Alabama, I'm talking about Los <laughs> Angeles. Um, and in that Gascon's in, in L.A., yeah. And I had the pleasure of meeting him at Mesa PD when he was chief. Wasn't impressed then either. Um, but, you know, when you feel like, you know, I used to always tell my ex-husband when it would get discouraging, they'd work a case and and juries and stuff would let some of them off for whatever reason. And I told him, I said, you know, your job is to catch them. Their job is to cook them. But when the people now in these big cities are in charge of cooking them and they just go, oh, he didn't mean that. It's only his 10th time of doing right, it. Right. Um, you know, a little ag assault, big deal. So right. what? Let him out. He'll be nice this time. You know, you can't help but, you know, I've never been a cop. There's a good reason for that. Um, but you can't help but wonder, you know, how many officers are going, why am I risking my life and yep. everything for somebody in a suit behind a desk to go, ah, let him go. It's okay. Yeah. It's no big deal. Well, back back in the day when I was supervising, uh, you know, once you move into that more of a management role, you think a little more globally about everything. I've you noticed know. that. And so, you know, it was always, we had the saying of, well, it passed the headline test. Sure. You know, there's no headline test anymore because everything is a headline. Exactly. Well, it comes from Twitter. Let's remember that too. So, but that was part of my job as as a manager. Sure. Is to think about that kind of stuff. Not the guy interacting immediately on the line having you think about that. He's got to take care of what he's got to take care of. Sure. And his focus should be on resolving the situation and his own safety and everyone else's safety around while he's sure. addressing that. Not what the headline's going to say tomorrow sure. about what he just did. Sure. So, but now we have that situation where you can't react without wondering and second guessing yeah. how this is going to play out. And what I'm about to lose my, like? you know, yeah. so not only do I worry about losing my fan, you know, my, my life. Sure. Uh, or someone else getting hurt. Now I have to worry about losing my home, my family, yes, right. yes. you Career, know, every my everything. Pension, exactly. Well, so and those what? aren't pressures we had when we were on the job. Sure, and that's the type of pressure they're working under now. And Phoenix now yesterday had, isn't that the eleventh officer shot this year? Because I, yeah, I, I think, think so. Tyler was first, and then the nine. Yeah, I think and they then had the nineteen one... shootings so far, and I think it was. You're right. I think it's 11 that actually got, 11, got shot. Yeah, 11 officers. And, you know, you go, this is just April. I know. That's what I was saying. It's, and, it's, we're know, not in the middle of April. And those of you listening, please keep this Phoenix officer in your prayers. My, our understanding is she is stable after surgery yesterday. Um, and, you know, but this is getting crazy. And then we wonder why people don't want to sign up to do this job. <laughs> well, yeah. And yeah. that's a little bit of a problem here for the public. They just haven't realized it yet. And so again, you know, what y'all are doing, what we're doing, we're trying to help people manage these crazy waters that they're in and the stress and helping families navigate it. Because in spite of what's taught in academies of keeping personal and professional separate, which is the oldest, dumbest, most archaic principle um, you know, families are very much impacted by this lifestyle and we're not doing anything to educate them. Absolutely. And officers are being taught, don't even talk to them about it. And you go, no, 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 no. We got to do some communicating here. No wonder we've got divorces exactly. going crazy. And, 
So, you know, when you reached out to me, Craig, you know, I have to tell you, I looked at it and I'm thinking, I'm not sure what this really is and how this works. Because <laughs> all I get is Craig at Guardian Garage and you were doing some treatment. I'm thinking, inpatient treatment in a garage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, in, in a, Waterboarding. Yeah. And... <laughs> well, I'm thinking my son, the Marine. Yeah, treatment so, in a garage. Yeah, we working on just working on cars. What are we doing? <laughs> well, and let, let me tell you a little bit about that because um, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> me either, <laughs> you know, and I'm not an expert on the subject matter of mental health by any stretch. Sure, you um, are. Yeah, you um, are from your years of. But I am personally experienced with the right. effects of service, uh, both myself. And I have my brother, who's also uh, one of the founders of the garage, uh, was uh, military okay. in the Gulf War. And he is diagnosed and fully disabled with PTSD from his service. Uh, I have a son that was in service, and his son was also in service. They're both suffering effects from Iraq. So, you know, we have some firsthand experience with right. the military issues and with the first responder issues. And to be honest, they're not really the same, but they are. Sure. So, yeah. um, Different garbage in the same di- garbage can. Exactly. So um, that's kind of how we we started it, this idea. My brother and I were talking about it and talking about our kids mostly and how we've managed to adapt to what we've been through. And one of those ways was through working on our, our cars. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've done restoration all my life. You know, and we're not just about cars, so let me be clear on that, too. <laughs> um, the idea was born on working on cars and things like that, and Jerry's got a, a background that he can tell you about as well. Um, but we'll work on just about anything we can get our hands on that, that needs to be restored. Yeah, it was and, a flagpole when we came out yeah, there. Yeah, and we're still working on that. Coca-Cola so, machines and yeah, all, yeah, and all of kinds stuff. of yeah. different right, cool right. stuff. things to so, restore. Furniture, yeah. you know, just about anything. But uh, the, the, the idea isn't the project. It's mm-hmm. the path to getting that restoration project done. And, and, you know, I found personally that I got out of my own head, out of my own way, mm-hmm. uh, when I could just spend my time on doing something like that, which translated into a better relationship with the family. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of touched on it, and it's, it's very, still goes on, I think, at the police academies where they bring in, you know, a, a veteran officer and his wife to come and talk to the class about what it is to be married to a cop and what it is to, what, what you're going to experience as a cop. And, and I remember when I went through it, you know, they, uh, the, the big thing was you're going to go through these phases, you know, you're going to, you're going to be your rookie year and you're going to start feeling like, you know, and I, I don't know what I can say on here. Oh, go say ahead. whatever go you ahead. want. So, yeah. but, but you go through these stages where you start seeing, you know, public's kind of an asshole you know just just me and my my guys on the squad are, i hear right? kevin gil martin coming you know? <laughs> so, you know and then eventually you get to the point where everyone's an asshole but me yeah and um and they tell you that at the academy and then you know, the wife gets up and talks about how supportive you need to be of your husband and, but they don't talk about what the reality no yeah. they and, paint a pretty picture and, and the reality is once you enter this career as a first responder, and, and in my book, a first responder is anybody that answers that first call for help. That's communications okay. all the way through the end. That's yeah. it. So our 911 operators yes. are first responders. They're probably the most unsung of all first oh, responders. Yeah. Amen. And probably 
In my book, it would be the most difficult job because you don't really see what's happening. You just hear what's happening. Well, and right. you can't go anywhere. Yeah. You're, you're stuck. And, and a lot of times you don't find out the outcome. Right. Exactly. Move to the next call. Yeah. You're just on the hook. Yeah. Right. So, um, and yet they set the stage. Right. Yes. So. And without them, y'all don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> that will, we, well, we certainly may not survive the job. Well, right. but you're, all you got to do is ride. I mean, you, all you're doing is riding around. You're not. Right. You're not going to know what's happening so, behind doors and stuff like that. And, and so often they're able to calm that situation yes. before mm -hmm. you even arrive. Yes. So, um, you know, that's, I mean, they're the first of the first responders. Right. We're big supporters of and, our you know, dispatchers. I think I just had a posting out I put on our webpage thanking them because yes. this is National right. Dispatch Week, yep. so TCO Week. Um, so, you know, you've got them. Our corrections officers are oh, our first responders in my book as well. Absolutely. Not just police, not just the fire department or the EMTs, but you, you got to have a place to put these too, people. Right? So they're right on that front line. Yes. Um, so they're working on the aftermath of what we all went out and, right. and dealt with. So uh, so we welcome all of them. Yes. And, uh, you know, what What you don't know when you go into this career, you're, you're person A when you, when you take the job. Person A will no longer exist <laughs> in a very short time. And it doesn't necessarily mean bad. Either. No, I, no, I think people no. automatically you, assume the change is always bad. There are times it's not. There's there's good things that come out of it. Sure. Um, and if you manage it well, mm -hmm. the bad things that come out of it are manageable. And I'm, I'm sitting here to tell you they are manageable. Sure. Um, so, you know, you kind of start going through these changes. As your career goes, the longer it goes, the harder you know it is to compartmentalize the things that you're dealing with. Uh, you definitely don't come home and tell the wife what happened to you, right? So no, you just bring that mood home. So we think we're the ones ticking you off. You know, that's right. I, I was, I was a, when I met my wife, I was a young patrolman. Mm -hmm. And so she married me knowing I was a cop. Mm -hmm. um, so she accepted that. We went, took her on some ride alongs, but I, you know, I was in patrol and I spent two years of my career in patrol until I came back to patrol and I, 18 years later as a, as a patrol sergeant uh, for a short time. Best job there is. Most fun I ever had, patrol sergeant. <laughs> but uh, so she she knew what was she was getting into. Uh, but as time went on and I, I left patrol and I got into other assignments, I couldn't come home and tell her about my day. I couldn't come home and tell her about what was going on at work because – Number one, she'd never let me go back to work. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, you're, not, you're not going back to work tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> Hold or, on. Or she'd be checking the insurance policy. And, Absolutely, yeah. and yeah. dressing and, you in the and morning, starting the car for <laughs> me. And, you know, so yeah, that's probably more likely. But uh, you know, you, you just and and you didn't want on your mind that she's worrying about you, and and you know, and right. we had kids by then, and. You know, y'all uh, forgot that our imaginations can be a whole lot worse. Oh yeah. Than what you're actually dealing with. Too. Well, and what you don't realize is this is creeping in to your marriage, right? Yes. right? And you don't you don't see it. Right. You never see the changes in yourself. No, it's like um, your kids. And most people, they know something's up, but they mm -hmm. really can't put their finger on it too. But your wife or your spouse—I shouldn't say wife—but right. your significant other, whoever it is, they notice. And, and they try to deal with it sometimes for years. And that's part of the reason why I think, the you know, we have such a high divorce rate in our careers. Absolutely. Um, because I was fortunate. 
I think I was about 12 years into my job, and I had promoted up. I was at that time. I think I was running our gang unit, and um, she sat me down and said, "Basically, you're not the guy I married, mm-hmm. and this isn't the guy I want to be married to." Mm. So that opened my eyes, you know. So I made some adjustments from there, you know, try to open up better communication. I, my relationship with my kids wasn't what I wish it had been. I, I worked undercover most of that time. So you do not realize the impact that kind of stuff has on your family because you're so into the career. So, well, what you see and what you deal with makes you very jaded and, and you don't even know you come home and you start talking to your family, like the drug right. dealer on the street. And I'm like, eh, eh. Back well, up. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's not in your best interest. That's a whole nother discussion, but yeah, it's very hard to put yeah. you know one facade on right. and go out and work, and being successful with that facade is what keeps you alive. Sure. So it's very hard to come home and take that back off right. and be the guy. You know, but they make the it dad. sound really simple in the academy. Yeah, don't they? they sure do. You just hang that gun belt in your mind's eye on the outside right. of your door, and when you walk in, your dad and husband. Yeah, yeah, right. So, sometimes I, I, you can be a little more critical of your own family too and mm-hmm. your children. Absolutely, you're harder on You've them. just dealt with this POS. Yes. <laughs> and then you come home and your kids do something and a lot of times you'll tend to overreact because right. you don't want your kids to become that element. Exactly. And that's it. It's all good and, intentions. And, and, right. and yes, and you know, you yeah. come on them a little harder than you probably should and your kids are looking at you like, "Whoa, you know, <laughs> All I did was this, you know. The baggy yeah. pants and, used and, to be a big trigger at our house. <laughs> the the father son mother daughter conversation isn't really that; it's more of an interrogation, right? Absolutely. So, right. Yeah. So you, you know, know, I and I have to I have to say this because it was pretty funny because I remember one time mine coming home and I'd had it, and so I took a chair and sat it in the middle of the kitchen and I grabbed a flood lamp bulb and I held it over my head. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say as disciplinarians we're pretty creative in there. Yeah. You know, so yeah uh but i i promised myself when i when i as i promoted um that i was going to kind of look out for the guys and not let them fall into what i fell into because honestly you know i didn't realize that i was coming home and you know there's the remote there's the easy chair <laughs> there's the dog leave me alone that's it you know, kids stay away, yeah. wife stay away. I'm watching my TV show and I got my dog. Sure. You know, and don't bother me. Don't bother me. Exactly. I've been solving problems all day so, long. I don't need to solve problems here. So anybody out there listening right now, if that's what you're doing, yeah, I might want to rethink. We, we need, we need, we should talk. Yes. Okay. Uh, and that's the stuff they should be telling you at the academy right? yes. is to 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 recognize this, especially for the wives or the significant others to understand. This is natural. This is normal. There's nothing wrong with that person per se. That's it's going to happen, right? You know. Um, but we've but also there's got ways to, to address yes. that, and, and right. that's the key, right? So, you know, it's about how to manage that because it's it, you know no one is going to go into a first responder career or a military deployment, right, and ever come back nope. the same. No. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that, understanding it, and then looking for a way to channel that into something positive to to deal with that stress and the trauma that you've seen, that's what we're about now. Yes. So um, we're not going to give you a therapy session. 
you know, we're not going to sit and do. We don't uh, give you a therapy uh, you know, we're session. Not, we, we don't sit in a talk, circle and talk. We give you. Um, Susan gives you a red man session. <laughs> <laughs> so we. That's just if you don't listen. <laughs> All you got to do is listen. Look, what y'all preach that the people on the street ought to be doing for y'all when you're in patrol. I just preach the same thing in here. Do as you're told and it will be fine. <laughs> so, you know, what we do is we give you something to keep your mind and your hands busy. Um, you and, know what's and, funny? After we came out and saw your place, uh, I called my son in Alabama and um, he and his neighbor, they're both Marines. His neighbor was in the initial invasion of Fallujah. And I couldn't understand why when I was out there months before we met you guys, they had bought this old jeep and i mean this thing uh, i'm looking at it going i don't even see the steering wheel i can't tell what's what where and i asked him i said do you think you and chris working on that jeep is therapy to you <clears throat> and he sat there for a minute it's kind of quiet and he goes you know i guess now that you mention it it is and they've done amazing things with this thing already yep. and i thought okay so this whole philosophy y'all have got going mm -hmm. does make sense. And it is, and, and guys especially are doing it, but don't even really know why they're doing it. And that's, that's kind of the thing is, is there's still a huge stigma attached in the first responder community to saying that you're just, and, and I don't, I don't want to use the term PTSD because I think that's a overused, overbroad, overused it's an term. Yeah. Um, there's so many different forms of how you can be impacted. And again, you probably don't even recognize it yourself most of the time until sure. someone, until something happens or someone brings it, it to your attention. Yeah. So this is a place where you can come and you work on these projects that we have mm -hmm. in a team environment with people that have been in the same path you have. And we allow whatever conversation is going to take place to just organically happen as they're working on their projects and there's they, no laughter i'm sure there's never any <laughs> no, humor no sick well, or otherwise <laughs> no. well nobody really understands I Jerry laughing. jerry's over there going oh she's been listening in <laughs> so i and uh, you know we have um some people from the fire department involved and in, in, uh, participating right now and uh, you know nobody appreciates cop humor except i'm learning firemen they, yeah. they do appreciate cop humor right. Uh, and they, they have at least pretty much the same it. kind of humor. Yeah. Well, they have you know? their own their own stuff that yeah. They, yeah. That they do that's you know? just as sick as the rest of so, <laughs> Most of the time when you tell a story and you start laughing about it, everybody gives you that look like, what What did I miss? Yeah. You know, yeah. That doesn't Where's sound funny, funny at all. You know? <laughs> you know, that just sounds that disgusting. That sounds tragic. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, it, it, you know, we just let everything kind of organically happen. Um, our, our whole idea is that we will give you some skills. Mm -hmm. to be able to manage on your own once you complete the program, uh, to be able to go out and have a lifelong hobby of some sort that, that'll captivate your interest. Hopefully, and that's part of our program too, is to bring the family on board with that and get you back engaged with the family so you're not, you know, when you come home, don't flip the TV on and kick the dog, you know. <laughs> Oh, why can't you kick the dog? <laughs> you know, we want you uh, to, to come home and have something to go out and work on, maybe with your kids. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter what it is. Again, we, we now have a ceramic studio on site. Um, you know. So they don't have to come in already a mechanic or any skills, just an interest and a desire 
um, to be a part of it and learn, Absolutely. figure it out. Absolutely. So if, if you've been watching our Facebook page, you'll yes. notice that um, Mary mm -hmm. is pretty prominent on there. And, uh, and I, I should say for everyone listening also, we keep everything confidential. Um, no notes, no records. No, no records. Uh, well, I, I won't say no records because we have some liability forms you have to sign and things okay. like that. You sure. Know, but... I got, we got insurance and we got lawyers that are, <laughs> you know, concerned about making sure that we keep going on and don't well, lose it's not this. like you're in there recording people talking about, I want to kill myself next week or last week or no, there no, may be some, yeah, no. I've been kind of in a dark place, but, right. but, but it's still confidential. We don't tell anybody who's enrolled in our program. Um, and obviously we have a social media presence and we want to try to post as much information. We have a website, we have a face, uh, a YouTube channel that we haven't done anything with yet, but we will be. Sure. And, and if you're agreeable to having yourself photographed, great. If you're not, that's fine too. Sure. You know, so, so nobody has to be worried about anyone knowing they're involved in this unless they're okay with people knowing they're involved in it. Sure. Um, that said, uh, you know, we, and I, and I lost track of what well, we were saying. But... All these ADD brains in here. Um, I'm curious, how did you guys get together on this to create the concept? Well, you know, as I said, my brother and I were talking. I, I had built a, uh, a large shop, and uh, my brother was out visiting with me. We were talking about the kids and, and, our, and ourselves, and, and uh, you know, we both kind of had this vision in front of us of what we had done to manage our stresses mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, not so much for him, unfortunately, his marriages didn't work out, but, but mine did. Uh, and I got to give a, a big shout to my wife for sticking with me. We're 34 years now into our marriage. And, and uh, she got too much time invested in you to let you run <laughs> right. off with some 25 year old. Come yeah, on now. So. I don't blame her. <laughs> I don't know if I'd know what to do with a 25 year old. Now. I can't remember. Totally uh, different broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we can do that. <laughs> so, and, and Jerry and I worked together. Um, we crossed paths periodically through our careers. and But outside of our careers, we had this uh, working on fabricating stuff and working on cars and things like that, that, that we'd had that relationship already. So, Did you realize it was therapy when you were, or it was therapeutic when you were doing it? Uh, not when I first started working on it. I, I, you know, it was just something... I needed to, as a diversion, I knew that, mm -hmm. but I didn't know how well it was going to work. I didn't sure. know how well it was going to impact my entire family. Mm -hmm. um, so I, now, I, I mean, when I first started working on cars, I, I've been doing that since I was a kid. My dad was involved in the auto industry. Mm -hmm. And so we were, you know, we were at the racetrack uh, three or four days a week. Uh, because he sponsored cars and we were stock car races. We were at the drag strip. We were at the miniature car races. And no. so we were somewhere all the time. I, I just, I grew up in that. And, you know, I, I restored cars when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. Nice. So I've always been doing that. And then I was working on furniture and things like that. I've always worked with my hands. Um, Do you have the same interest, Jerry? Yes. Uh, my dad was a mechanic or truck driver his whole life. Okay. So I grew up ever since I was big enough to do anything with the car. I was helping him do stuff. and So there is a level of expertise in this for people coming in to be able to learn. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah. like, for example, Mary, she's a retired detention officer. Okay. And when we first were talking with her, she says, I don't know how to do any of that kind of stuff. I don't know how to do this, that. And we said, well, you know, come on out and look at it. Mm-hmm. And she came out, and the first day we were there, we had her using the plasma cutter. And she's doing a <laughs> oh, little bit. Oh, that is not something you want <laughs> to put in my hands. Well, Let's just, just put it that way. It was so <laughs> funny because just after a few minutes, and, of course, you know, she was in the jail her whole life, she just looks up and she goes, this is so effing fun. <laughs> you know, so... And and she has just really jumped into this thing. You know, she realizes how much fun it is to do stuff like that. And again, you know, I've always made stuff ever since I was little. I mean, when I was in school, I loved to build models, but I didn't build the model the way it was supposed to be on the box. I always built it different, you know, put my own flair on it and stuff. Sure. And there's something very rewarding to creating something. See, I think yeah. that's the key there, you know, that right, people don't that, realize that. you get to see a beginning and an end. Yeah, yeah. you have a finished product. Yeah, so your you get, jobs. You get to see you a, a feeling again. of accomplishment because you built something. Right. Yes. And taking like a model that's a brand new thing and putting it together is one thing, but taking something that's been disregarded. Yes. And other people view it as being broken or trash and to be able to make something new and neat out of that sure. is really self-rewarding. Absolutely. And that's kind of what we kind of feel about uh in my career i got shot in the line of duty okay um the guy was found not guilty uh he gave us death threats so my kids are in high school and we have unmarked carson in front of our house sure. to escort them back and forth to school those are the kind of things that you know you go into a profession because you have a calling for it right but the reason you go to work is to provide for your family and to help you want to make a difference, a positive yeah, Well, difference. that's why you went into that profession. <laughs> Absolutely. But the reason you go to work is to provide for your family. Sure. And uh, just to share a little bit, after my shooting, the shooting itself wasn't a big deal to me. Right. Because I think because of my training and stuff, I didn't take it personal. Okay. You know, he shot the cop that was on the, the deal, and it just sure. happened to be me. But it took me a while to realize that my family took it very, very personal. Absolutely. Because they didn't shoot a cop. Right. They shot dad, they shot the husband. Yes. And where I had my biggest issues is I felt like I failed my family. Right. That I was not able to protect them. Sure. And... Well, you are the problem solver. Well, well f- correct. You're For the everybody. problem solver. And you get in that position that you weren't able to protect your family. Sure. And you do. You wind up going in some places you've never been. And uh, the point is, some of these people, it's hard to describe the feeling of being overwhelmed until you've been in that position. Right. But sometimes you get so overwhelmed, you don't even want to make the decision to open your eyes. I mean, you just... And so when you're in that position, you feel broke. Mm -hmm. You feel broke. You feel kind of useless. Sure. And to me, that's this whole premise. You take a person that feels broken. You take a person that feels useless. Mm -hmm. And you help them get back to where they're like, okay, I can function again. Sure. You know, and uh, that's what I love about the program. Is, and you see, and, and that's why our slogan is restoring cars and people too. Sure, uh, it's not about the car, it's not about the Coke machine, 
Right. It's not about the flagpole. Right. The person is the project. Sure. And we don't begin to say we can fix everybody. We don't. It's just, it's a very friendly environment. Mm -hmm. Because when you're going through something like that, one of the biggest things that goes through your mind is nobody understands. Right. Because nobody talks about this stuff. Right. Well, yeah, you think people have, but the average person never goes through something like that. Right. right. So when you're in that environment, at least you're in an environment with other people that understand. Right. They may not want to talk about it, and that's fine. Right. But you at least you look around and you say, this is my brother. He's been through some crap. Sure. And you know what? If he can get through it, I can get through it too. But how many did y'all ever see in your industry? who would walk down the hall after being through something or the cumulative and go, man, I suck. I, you know, I'm not cut out for this. I, nobody talks about that stuff. Well, you know, so you think it's just you and there's healing and finding out it ain't just me. Right. It it's was, a lot of people in you know, my funny industry. That I had a particular case that we worked and it was a, it was a child sex case, but it was internet. And so we had volumes. We had four four-inch thick binders of all these emails. Mm -hmm. And we would have to, we'd go onto these uh, child dating sites and stuff, or, or not dating sites, but, you know, underage kids Four. would get in there and mm -hmm. meet adults, and they would hook up for stuff. And we would have to read all of these emails to determine different victims. So I had three detectives that worked for me. Each one of those had a four-inch binder. I had one, and my lieutenant had one. And you'd sit down and you'd start reading this stuff. And you could read it for about 30, 45 minutes. And it's like, okay, I got to get up and go take a break. You'd walk down the halls or whatever. You'd come back and you'd sit down. You could read about 20 minutes of it. And it's like, okay, I'm done. You know. But what I thought was very interesting is you'd be at that overload mall. And you'd get up and you'd start walking through the hall. And you'd meet one of those other people doing the exact same thing. And you could just see that expression on their face, you know, and it's like. But there was no conversation. Right. right. You just see it and it's like, okay, <laughs> you're at the same place yeah. I am. Yep. And uh, so um, we've gotten off the bit. It's the acknowledgement of well, well, like, the right, thing is to. Fixing. It, it's of... the fixing something that. Uh, I love your uh, analogy of the PTSI yes. versus disability. Because one of the things we've talked about doing is. We're not just targeting the person that's already lost their career, right. that's already lost their marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, we also want to target those people that don't even know they're in that position right. yet. Yeah. Right. You know, to get the person that. Gosh, what a not concept. Not quite sure. You're talking you know, proactive. What that, a concept. That they can yeah. come there and it's like, oh, I'm starting to see some of the stuff that I didn't right. know was happening before. That's it. You know. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's more of uh, my emphasis is. I want us to be in a position to help the people that are going through their careers now. Sure. It's it's a little late in the game to come to it after you've retired from this job. Or and, lost your and, marriage and your family. And, and, and your honestly, job. there's a yeah. lot of people that don't realize what the job has done to them until they've retired from the job. And, yeah. and, then, and then they come to the recognition. Sure. You know, and, and, you know, we see so many things throughout our careers that at the time you're in the career, Mm-hmm. You know, again, that, that stigma's there. You know, they pass each other in the hall, but neither one of them are going to admit to each other right. that they There's were impacted. Yeah. Okay? Uh, and you go through your whole career that way. Sure. There's, you don't talk to anybody about it. You get involved in a shooting. 
you know, your boss tells you that's your job. Yeah. And that's the, and the that's public all you says get. that's your job to get <laughs> shot at or get right. shot. Right. You and, knew I mean, that going into this. You know, and it is. I knew that going into it. It's it, That's the job. But, you know, there's no outlet or there wasn't. There is now. I have to I have to give a little bit of credit to the industry. It's, it's, it's changing. It's slowly starting to recognize right. that there's a problem. And I, and I think we owe a debt to the military for that yes. because it had it not been for the recognition of what's going on with our veterans, people in the first responder community wouldn't, management people in the first responder community wouldn't recognize it as well. Still got a so ways to go, but we're getting there. The door is cracking open. Yes. And, and as I've gotten involved in, in creating this, I, I, you know, I'm out and about talking to more and more people. And I'm Can finding- Can y'all get into academies? To try to even get them early in their career to realize this is an outlet for them. We'd love to do that. Um, I have, I, I have not talked to any of them yet okay. because we're still, we you know we just got off the ground in January, and so, but absolutely, that would be one of my main goals. Is I'd love to go in, even if it's just to go in and go look, <laughs> you know that talk that you got from the 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 guy and his wife or the 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 gal and her husband. Forget all that. Here's the reality. Yeah. The reality is you're going to change yeah. and it's going to impact your family more than anybody else. And, you know, you're going to find yourself surrounding yourself with friends that are in the same job as you and, and, and or, or you can find yourself to just the guys you work directly with right. and you start closing yourself off and it happens so slow mm -hmm. that you don't recognize it's happening. And then you, you know, if you're fortunate, like I was, and you have a wife that cares enough to wake you up, and stick with you while you figure out how to get through all that. That's great. Um, you got to have a hobby. <clears throat> and to me, there would be, that would be such a great hobby. Cause it's, it's kind of twofold in, you know, uh, cause I tell a lot of my guys, a punching bag is a great thing to have at home. You can get rid of a lot of stress, adrenaline, everything on a punching bag. But, I bet that plasma cutter you could get some satisfaction out of. I got to tell you, um, I was surprised. So we did some sandblasting for the flagpole mountain window, and and our firefighter, uh, who didn't quite take to the plasma cutting as <laughs> the way Mary did, but but for some reason when we were out there doing the sandblasting, he came to me afterwards and he said, you know, that was really therapeutic. Yeah. And I'm like. I bet. And, and it is because, you know, you're watching this clean off right. all the rust and decay yeah. and you're seeing this right. fresh surface underneath. And whether you realize it consciously or not, subconsciously, yep. you're watching this transformation into something beautiful happen. And right. you're doing you. it. And you're doing it. Exactly. So, you know, we see so much destruction and so much of the depravity of, of what people can be yeah. sure. to, to be able to find some way and, and, you know, whether it's through, you know, faith-based programs yes. or through a program like ours or going to the gym and transforming your body somehow, whatever it is, mm -hmm. but you have to have something. And one of the mistakes I saw with some of the younger guys back when I was in the career was the off-duty job. Yes. You know, <laughs> I mean, the money's good and, and frankly, they don't pay public safety what they should. Right. And that's part of the problem that we're experiencing now but yet we pay you to get shot right. i always wondered what that kind yeah. of salary would look like if 
Well, because that's what the public thinks. More important than we pay you to get shot, we pay you to make that split second decision yes, as to whether right. someone else is going to lose their freedom or their life. Yes. You know, and, and we don't pay enough for that. Nope. And you get sometimes what you pay for. Especially now. So, you know, you're kind of forced to support the family by working off duty. And once you start working off duty, it can get out of hand. Sure. Right. So, you know, I see so many guys whose identities were wrapped up in their career mm -hmm. and working off duty every opportunity they got. And, and I got the feeling that some of that wasn't so much about making the money as they didn't know what else to do with themselves when right. they weren't That's on a the shift. Problem. They've yeah. lost friends that are non-law yeah. enforcement. Their now I don't know what working. to do with my spare time. And of course, now, though, we have to add in that so much is mandated. Right. That they're being forced to work so much because, overtime, yeah, short, short staffing, staffing. Right, right, and and now they're almost beginning to resent the thing that they were willing to do because <laughs> it's like I said, cops love change as long as they're in charge of it. Exactly. You know, I said this is why so many ADD people go into law enforcement. You can patrol over here, you get bored, you can change and come over here, but halfway there, your sergeant calls and says, "I need you over here." Now you're pissed off. You got to go over here because <laughs> yep. somebody's telling you. That's to. right. Yep. Yeah. That certainly we're control freaks. Yeah. There's no question about that. One other thing that I'd kind of like to mention about our program that I think is kind of unique too is we we talk a lot about the first responder mm -hmm. and their element and helping them with this and that. Uh, one thing that I think all of us that have had PTSI issues whether they realize it or not, is you tend to become very um, alone. You tend isolated. to isolated. Yes, yes, is the word I'm looking for. One thing that we hope this will do is, regardless of whether it's the car thing or the Coke machine or the pottery or something, it's a hobby that you can pick up, mm -hmm. but hopefully you can take it back and share with your family. Sure. And just because it's more common to me, if a guy's, say guy, but Gail or whatever comes in and decides they're interested in cars. Mm -hmm. They might go home and take one of their children to a car show. Sure. They might say, Hey, let's go buy an old car and work on it together. Sure. The guy might go home to his wife and, and I'm sorry, I just use guy cause I'm thinking myself, the guy might go home to his wife and say, you know what, let's take a pottery class together. Cause this was kind of cool. So we're hoping that we're not going to turn people in to give them a journeyman skill. Right. We're going to open them to some exposures of stuff and give them some basic skills on how to do stuff. Sure. And then hopefully they will take that hobby or whatever they've interests that they've developed mm -hmm. and take it back and share it with family members. So we're hoping to bridge that Shared communication back in to yes. get them more in tune with their family again. And I have to tell you, it's really funny because one of the things we do with couples at Under the Shield is we have them writing their date night list independent of each other and they have to be very specific <clears throat> and then they plan date night off the other one's list and they rotate uh -oh. back and forth and i had one and he came in and he was kind of whining and fussing about his wife had on her list that she, she wanted to go drink wine and paint and he goes i need light wine i said try it Comes back a few weeks later, he goes, damn, who knew I like to drink wine and paint? And now it's on his list. Yeah. And it kind of falls in the same vein of what you're talking about. He had no idea that something like that could be very relaxing and fun and shared with the spouse. Right. And now they've got something, you know, I encourage mine to, if they're into the swimming and diving, go take an open water certification. 
have something that occasionally on vacations you can do, you know, and go go diving somewhere. Um, you got to have that shared experience. So what you're talking about is exactly what brings couples together and solidifies them. Even if they do it three times a year, it's something usually they can laugh about because I can imagine the pottery. Yeah, I'm sure it goes blah in the middle somewhere <laughs> at some point, and then they got to start over. And and all of it, it it's it, it's such a simple concept that I think so many in our mental health field, because they come at it from one direction, it's, we got to open up and come in from other directions now. There's too many things missing. The links are gone. Absolutely. You know, and at, again, that's part of our whole premise is we're an extension from your conventional mental health system. Yes. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get those referrals from the normal mental health venues out there. But we also want to be a resource for those that don't really either recognize or feel that they need that kind of professional help. But sure. but we want you to understand you need something. Sure. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that's what we're here for. Uh, you know, we do not dictate the project you're going to work on other sure. than whether we have whatever it is you want to do, if we have that available or not. So sure. we can do upholstery. We can do, you know, pottery, furniture weaving, whatever. But, you know, uh, if you come out and you don't want to work on a car, that's fine. We'll have something else for you. We won't dictate the hours that you need to be there for. Okay. Um, we try to want to keep it as a team environment on certain projects. There are larger teams than on other projects. Mm -hmm. um, so we kind of leave that the way we've been doing it is the team decides when they can all get together. And then we make our sales available based on their schedule. We don't want to add extra pressure and stress mm -hmm. to say you have to be here every week at right. this date and time. So we try to keep all that kind of extra stress. And and this is this is about learning yeah. how to manage that stress. And it's about them. And it's yeah. about them, right? Uh, so you know, one of the things that um, one of the things that I think is misunderstood about all of this trauma and how it affects you is people think it's curable that they'll go and they'll get some help and then they'll be cured it's not going to work that way <laughs> i'm well, sorry to say well no, i'll I, disagree with you a little bit I, I think it is curable in that they can function on with their lives and not be victims to it yes I, but I, I would call that manageable yeah i i view it like diabetes once you've got diabetes you're going to have diabetes sure but you can manage that diabetes rather than it managing you. Right. You know, if you take control of it and you do the things you should be doing, it's mm -hmm. not going to run, run your life. Right. You still have control of that. Right. And that's kind of what we're looking at. Uh, one other thing I'd like to throw in is that, you know, our mental health situation in this country has been screwed up for a long, long time. Yeah. You know, from my experience back in the jails, back way yeah. back when, sure. you know, the officer would get called because this guy's in somebody's front yard, just, you know, the officer gets there and it's obviously a mental health issue, mm -hmm. but the officer really doesn't have any option other than just, well, he's committing a crime, so I can, I'll take him to jail. Mm -hmm. The poor guy goes to jail, the IA judge looks at him and says, well, he's certainly not going to come back to court, so we'll just remand him over. Yep. And then... Ten days later, he goes to his arraignment. The judge says, 
you been in here 10 days? Time, Time served, served, kicks and loose, <laughs> and the, the, the revolving yeah, Over process. and over and over and over again. And then you go to that to the professional level where people, whether they're dispatchers or police officers or, or military, it's so hard to get help. And when you're going through that, the last thing in the world you need is extra stressors to sure. fill out this form or fill out that form or to jump through all these hoops to try to get help. Or is my department going to find out? You know, and, and you add that to like the first responders. Sure. It's it's so hard for them to get help. Yes. And if anything, mental health should be the easiest to get help for. Uh, because <laughs> when you're going through something like that, you don't need the extra stress. Right. So what we do with our people is... They'll meet, let's say we're meeting on Tuesday morning, mm -hmm. okay? At the kind of the end of them wrapping up their their time for that day, we'll say, okay, when can we get together again? And sure. they all kind of talk, well, I can do it this day, I can do it that day. And then, like Craig said, we try to make ourselves available to them. Right. Uh, we want to make it as easy as possible. We don't want to add stress to it. Mm -hmm. And we'll work around them because we want it to be a pleasurable experience for them. Not to say, oh, Not so crap. Not they I've, have to do. Right. Yeah. Oh, crap. I've got to juggle this so I can go do that. Well, but, and I guess what I, my point about the curable part is, you know, when I first met Tom the Bomb here, um, it was clear he had post-traumatic stress injury. I don't know a cop with any time on the job <laughs> who doesn't have it. And it's a psychological traumatic brain injury. injury. <clears throat> and he sat on the couch, and I asked him about his garbage can. And I said, Pull one thing out of that garbage can. And he did, and it was very emotional. I saw the tears, and I go, that's it. Whatever it is you're thinking about right now, that's it. And in telling me the story, he could barely get through it. There was so much emotion to it. And then the next time he told it, it there was a little less emotion. And it's taken now. We met, believe it or not, the best year of your <laughs> life, almost a year ago. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who knew a year ago I... <laughs> you'd be this lucky? <laughs> and yesterday he sat in here with a client and told the story. I could hear it in his voice. The throat tightened just a little bit, but there really were no tears, right. no welling up in the eyes and that kind of thing. And it's because he's sharing his story to help someone else over this year. And in doing that, he's getting it out of his garbage can and he's taking something negative and making something positive from it. And it it will get easier every time he tells it. I've had the same thing with Mark Valenzuela at Phoenix. When he first started telling the story about his shooting and stuff, there was so much emotion. And every time he tells it, there's less and less. And that's what we mean by curable in that those things that you can, can unpack haunt you, it. Right. Right. Yeah. Become something more positive because you're using it to someone else's benefit. And it doesn't have that negative power yes. on you anymore. Yes. Or not as much. And, and I feel that. Exactly. Getting less and exactly. less. Exactly. It's still there. Right. But it doesn't manage yeah. you anymore. Right. You manage it. And I, I'll be honest with you, just this whole journey of, of us creating this organization and what we're doing with it, even sitting here with you right now, mm -hmm. I don't like talking about things. <laughs> Which means you need to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but... But I'm starting to, you know, and, and I think my kids, they keep telling me, Dad, you got to talk about yourself. You got to tell people about how it's helped right. you. You got to, you know, and I'm like, I had, you know, all these years, I, I never talk about that kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, when you're when you're working undercover and, and you know, oh, yeah. um, 
you know, you, you always have this wall between you and your family that, that gets very difficult to negotiate because you can't go out in public with your family, right? Because you got to protect them from someone realizing, well, that's the guy I've been negotiating this huge drug deal with. Right. That must be his family. You know, you can't have that. So you don't know the effect that's having on your family. And let me say this to any of you listening out there who might do undercover work. Um, here's my best advice to you as the spouse of someone who did it. Um, make sure you tell your spouse that if she should happen to run into or he should happen to run into you out in public, um, don't acknowledge them until they acknowledge you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, this was a valuable lesson I learned early on because <laughs> yeah. you'll be shocked at how small the world is. It is very small. And suddenly, and if, if mine hadn't told me that I could have blown Six months of undercover work very easily by walking up and introducing yeah. myself. <laughs> my my going, wife, no. <laughs> my wife knew this this look I would get if I saw somebody that I recognized. Sure, and she knew that meant you know fifty feet away from me is where you belong. <laughs> so yep, you know. Um, but I, I, you know, my point is 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 this whole journey is helping me too. Still, right. I'm st- I'm still dealing with things. Sure, sure. and. I don't think there's a therapist out there that will tell you, you know, there's there's an end to therapy that you're cured. They'll just tell you, you don't need it as much anymore, or you don't need it anymore. We think we gave you the skill set that you can manage this on your own. Unfortunately, That's when it comes to what true. we're all involved with, mm-hmm. and especially lessons learned from the VA's programs, right? And and at the risk of alienating anybody in the mental health community, I respect what you do. I they're believe good people with there good is intentions. extreme value in the things that you do. My concern is that you only take it so far. Yes. And then you kind of leave everyone on their own hanging at that point. Right. And then they recycle back to you at some point, maybe, <laughs> or maybe they find other means to, to relieve their stress. Not always the best yes. means. Sure. And, uh, and that's part of the reason why we see a lot of the increase in, suicide rates among our first responders is because they just don't know how to cope and there's not a lot out there that they're getting that exposure to. So again, that's kind of our whole goal is to be one, I look at it as as maybe an early intervention while you're in your career. Um, Hopefully that you won't need any professional per se uh, help and uh, we can kind of circumvent that route maybe. Sure. And then for those that are getting help, you're going to reach an end of the line to that help at some point. Yep. And we want to be able to pick up from there and give you an extra set of skill sets right. that give you something to do that you won't need us either for, but you can always come back to us and mm-hmm. you can still participate in everything we're doing for the rest of your life. But we want you to have that ability to recognize that you can do this on your own. Well, and I think to the connection there is it isn't, you know, it isn't just working on and restoring something. Because if that was the case, no. it could be a one person right. working per project. It's having the first responders there and they begin to trust each other. They begin to open up and joke and talk about. And now they're helping each other. Exactly. And again, you can do talk therapy all day long. But until you can take that negative experience and turn it to something positive, where you're helping someone else. Um, that's why we are so interested. And I hate the word targeting, especially in today's environment. Um, but we are targeting retired law enforcement, retired fire, paramedics, dispatchers, 
detention, all of that, to be the stress coaches, because again, there's a level of acceptance and respect I'll never get because I haven't done those jobs. And again, it's a blessing that I haven't done those jobs, but it's, it's healing each other and not letting people sit in a victim role. Right. That's a choice. Being a victim is a choice. When Jason Schechterly can say that also. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that are listening that don't know Jason, he was in 2001, barely on the job, um, rear-ended, sitting at a stoplight. The guy had, taxi driver had a seizure going well over 100 and hits Jason and the car burst into flames. And he's lucky to be alive. Right. Horribly it's a, burned. Yes. Yeah. And when Jason can say being a victim is a choice and he chooses not to be a victim, which is why he gets out and speaks and talks to new recruit classes, I think pretty much anybody can can make the choice to be a victim or not. And so, you know, you're going to have some that won't come because they want to be a victim. They they want to stay in that role and knock yourselves out, go to therapy every week, rest of your life, take meds, do whatever it is you do. That's fine if it's working for you. But the ones that don't, now we have to find an active place that they can give back. And, you know, we laugh about one of the things we see with the first responders that retire. Yeah, they're all about it. Oh, can't wait. Count down those days. And then they get out and they're out a month and they're going, huh? Yeah, okay. Vacation for a month's not quite like I thought it was going to be. And now they have a need to be needed, which is what drew them to the industry in the first place. And now as a stress coach with us, they can do it from the beach of Belize for all I care as long as they got a phone or a computer. And now they're giving back to a population. They know, they they see the signs, they understand it, they've got credibility right off. And, and that's real therapeutic. Absolutely. You you know, you've really started <laughs> yeah. the stress that, coaching recently right, that right. that Tom is on the phone with people or meeting with them and you can't explain that to anybody. Right, no. You really can't. And that's our mentor base. Yes. Um, so we're, what what we have going now is that uh, some of the folks, that, as they come through, mm-hmm. you know, right now we've been getting retired people. We haven't sure. had any active duty people come through yet. Um, but they're going to stay on in that mentorship role for the exact same reason. Right. It's a, it, it's continued therapy for them. And I, I don't like to use the word therapy, but it's continued. But it is. I mean, it's, it's continued it's therapeutic, yeah. interest for them. Yes. And, and, and they, they bring that dimension to the whole thing. Right? Sure. That I've been there. I've done it. I've survived it. You know, you, you will can too. too. <laughs> and the, and the biggest thing is when you spoke to your son is, you, you know, you yeah. don't recognize what this is doing directly sure unless you actually take a minute to reflect back on it and that's kind of the whole goal too is we don't want it to be in your face that we're out here trying to accomplish this right it's 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 something that will take whatever time it takes but you'll come to this realization at some point that i got this you know what i can talk about it again i can go home to the family again and talk about all kinds of things that i wouldn't have talked about before you know, my wife is still learning things that happened on the job that I never told her about. Um, and I st- still, some things I won't, but you know, it just, uh, you get that, you build that bridge back. Mm-hmm. Well, one message that I'd like to give out to is, and I always told my kids this growing up, there's certain walks you're going to have to walk. Mm-hmm. Somebody else can't walk it for you, but you don't have to walk it alone. Absolutely. You know, it's like my kids. 
you're, you, you've got to fix it. You've got to do what it takes. Sure. But you don't have to do it by yourself. We'll be there to help you or moral support, whatever it is. And I think that's part of what messages that we're trying to send. Yes. You know, uh, there's a lot of people out there. When you're going through that, you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. You feel very alone. You feel very overwhelmed. But there's a whole lot of people out there that want to take you by the hand and walk right along beside you to help you get through it. And y'all have got to start to speak out. Well, that's it. That That's, yeah, that's the it. key and, here. And times are changing. I mean, you know, I came on, Jerry came on, we came on in the days where, you know, John Wayne was still the role model. Right? Sure. So, you know, those aren't things we would talk about. You know, that, that whole bravismo, macho thing about the job and yeah. nothing's ever going to affect me. You know, and and you just kind of put it away and keep trucking on. And that's, you know, you have to do that to get through your 20 plus years because the whole goal is to retire someday. Um, but you guys but have, you the have to find a way to cope with that. Of choir practice, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. There, there were yeah. those opportunities. Now, now, it may have been the fish went from this size to, you know, the yeah. sailfish, but, but it was still like mine sitting around, even in the sick humor of it which we know for a fact the body sends a message to the brain. It has no power over me. So when you're joking and hearing others joking about things that the non-first responder world would all go, these are some sick <laughs> people. Oh, yeah. Um, then you begin to normalize, but all of that's been eliminated for the most part. It's been frowned upon for many events, some coming out of the feds uh, and their stuff they've done. But it we've, we've taken it to the... You know, as a law enforcement, it's a pendulum. It swings from one extreme to the other. We never seem to find the middle of the road. And now this is why it's so important in trainings for people like Mark Valenzuela, combat Marine, veteran officer in a shooting, talking about being broken and others realizing that that means they're okay because Mark's going to be okay. Right. And when, when you guys as the senior people that these new ones look up to, aren't talking about those things, then they get the same message y'all got. I can't tell right. anybody. We gotta, can't change it. Well, and you don't want yeah. anybody to think there's something wrong right. with you. You don't, you don't, you know, for years, the stigma had attached to it that, you know, well, we can't put you out on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not right in the head. It's, well, yeah, that stigma hasn't changed really. I, I'm finding, I, I'm finding the head to do the job. Right. Not finding the head necessarily to come home to my wife and kids, but right. I'm finding the head to do the job because we all, we all find a way. I don't want to say we all. Um, those of us that can continue in the career to see our retirement days, find a way to cope and deal with the job. That doesn't translate to life. That right. just right. is the job. Yes. And we make it to that retirement time. And so often, once we make it to the retirement time. Now we don't have the job anymore. Sure. And or now the, we have to deal with life. <laughs> or the purpose. <laughs> or, yeah. or the purpose. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I think um I think the uh the studies are showing about ninety percent of all first responders are going to have some form of yeah. mental trauma in some manner. And and that's just a and that's an astounding, underestimate. And right. it is that's an underestimate. It is. It's a, you know, 
again, that's based on what's being reported. Yeah. Right. If you that's got ninety percent based on what's reported, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's probably it's not reported. I mean, I would venture to say it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. I agree with you. I mean, you. there's no question. Well, about I thought it was funny. I saw a, uh, a stat on something that said like the average citizen will experience like three traumatic events in their lifetime, yeah. and yeah. the average officer will experience eight hundred plus traumatic events right. in a 20 year career. Yeah. And the difference is you have to get up the next day right. and, and go again. do it again. Yeah. Right. So, yep. and then when that's not there, then you got this big sucking void in your life and you <laughs> don't know what to do with. So, you know, I, I can't speak to retirement cause I left to continue a career that still does kind of what I did, but you know, the good part is I don't have anybody shooting at me anymore. Um, I still have people that want to fight with me sometimes, but I don't have anybody shooting at me anymore. Uh, hopefully, if that happens, that's a really bad day at work. Well, you're not um, having to go in and take remove parents from kids, right? Even yeah. if it's a horrible situation. I'm not cleaning up the mess at a at a scene yes. of some right. kind, whether it's an accident, a homicide, or, or suicide, or whatever. Sure. You know, so I'm, you know, I, I don't deal with that anymore. Um, but I didn't actually take the time off where all I had was my time on my hands still. Uh, and now I have this, so that that's filling in even more of my time. And it's going to heal you guys right. in so many ways to see the people that walk out. And maybe they don't stay in the mentoring. Maybe they do, but they are better because of your program. Right. Just seeing that difference from when they first start yes. to now this project's oh, absolutely. over. Just like I, I we mean, see it under the shield yeah, and the stress coaching. We've just gotten a little taste of that so far. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we we look forward to being to growing Sure. Um, you know, one of my goals down the road is to have some sponsorships from companies and and businesses that we can provide someone who came into the program with tools or equipment or whatever, so that they can go on to continue what they learned on a, in whatever venue it is that interested them sure. on their own. And you know, sometimes some of that stuff can be pretty expensive, and that may yeah. keep them from continuing on. So we we want to remove that roadblock, but. We're not there yet, but that's that's kind of where we want to be able to go. Well, and as we kind of start to wrap this thing up, too, so is there a charge for people to come? Absolutely not. Okay. We're 501c3. Good. Everything we do is based on donations. We have projects donated to us. We, you know, happy to take cash donations. Sure. Um, you know, that's our, our bread and butter to be able to continue to buy tools, equipment, and the supplies needed to actually restore the items that we're working on. Um, so I have a client, I don't know if they've reached out to you, retired Phoenix, that has an old, I think it's a truck, that he and his son are interested in restoring, and he's body work and work, all kind of stuff. Is that the kind of thing they could bring out to y'all, yes. and they can work on it, and others work on it, and whatever? Yes. Okay. So, you know, that that's that's part of it. So if you have something that you want to work on with your family or, and with a team of other guys that are going through what you're going through, sure. you can bring it to the garage if you're a part if you're accepted into the program as a participant. You can bring the project with you. So, okay. you know, we have the donated projects or do projects that we've we're furnishing, as well as projects that you can bring. And it doesn't have to be a car. I mean, if you've got you know an old rocking chair that needs you know some broken pieces fixed on it and upholstery or whatever, bring that. You know, noted. And, and, Got a rocking chair that's being fixed, but it's going to need to be upholstered. I know where I'm bringing it. Right. Um, but we're not a shop where somebody can just bring their vehicle in and say, right. this is my vehicle. 
let your guys do it for me. We're not a shop where we do work for other people. Sure. But if a participant works, wants to work on their own vehicle or their own project, we will do that. Okay. All right, that's good. And you're located in the West Valley of Phoenix. Right. Is that technically Peoria? What is uh, We're we're actually in Peoria. Peoria, okay. Um, And we're not just, I mean, we're talking first responders today, but we're not just first responders. We're military. Military also. Military service as well. What's the youngest child they could bring with them to work on the project? So, you know, there's some safety concerns, obviously, because we're in a shop environment. I would say anybody over the age of 13. Okay. You could... You could bring to the shop, you know, obviously we got to sign some paperwork and go through some safety rules. Sure. Um, but they could bring them to the shop. Now, you know, again, we want to be sensitive to other participants there too. So, right. you know, if, if it's okay with the group you're Agreed. working with that you bring them, fine. And it may not be. Sure. So, and, and maybe that's not the group for you if that's the case. And we'll find a different group for you. Right. Sure. You know, but we, we're very conscious of the people that are in the program, making sure that we're not contributing to the problem we're Absolutely. helping to resolve the right, problem, yeah. right so sometimes having kids around could could be a problem sure so yeah. but on the, the other hand of that though is like we said we want to have them be able to reconnect with their family right so if they want to bring a family member out we are certainly supportive of that but a lot of it's going to depend on the individual person not sure. necessarily their age sure you know how well they're, if they're going to be distracted and wander off or just staying on task right but I think you're probably going to find but, most of them are going to be in that yeah. 15, 16 yeah. and up range. Well, and yes. we're very family likely. based. So, you know, we will be doing, um, you know, barbecues at the shop that you can bring their entire family out. Nice. We don't care how old they are then. Nice. You know, if we're not operating per se, working on a project and I'm not as concerned about having younger children there, right. they can tour sure. the shop, come out and see what their significant person in their life is doing. Um, and your plan is to, hopefully open other locations especially here in the phoenix valley area right right we'd like to get one out on the east side at some point Um, my brother lives in texas he wants to get one going up in texas nice and at some point you know i mean you know a little help from above we'd like to be able to have this in every state sure at least available in some form sure um you know because i you know i think this brings a dimension mm-hmm. that's been missed. Right. And I, yes. you know, I know they, you know, the conventional mental health facilities talk about art therapy. Yeah. We've done a lot of research into art therapy and art therapy is great and it, and it probably works just fine, but not everybody wants to express their trauma through a painting or a sculpture. This is another form of art. It is. Absolutely. You're not. So you got to give a whole lot of options. It's the creativity. It's that process. When I build a car, I think of it as an art project. Absolutely. You want the front bumper to match the back bumper. You want the whole theme of the the object to flow through it. Sure. So it is kind of an art project from a different form. And the benefit of the work is either having people admire it when you drive it or or display it in your home or whatever, or someone sees the value in it in buying it. And I assume that's things you could be doing is selling some of the projects even to come back into the 501c3. We'll take our project and like the flagpole, obviously Mm -hmm. that's going to stay on our, our site. And that was kind of a, um, it matched our statement. This flagpole, uh, I found at a local high school that was 
out by their trash bin, half of it's buried under the dirt. Oh, wow. You know, and I approached them and asked them about it. They donated it to us. Nice. And so that's something that's totally been disregarded that people thought was trash. Sure. When we're done with it, it's going to stand proudly at the corner of our building. And we nice. got a flag donated to us from nice. a two-star general that flew in Iraq. Nice. So it's it went from... You know, being totally discarded, uh, something that's going to be... Would have been at the trash pile yes. somewhere at the yes. dump. So and... it's going to stand proud and serve its function again. Sure. So it was, it was symbolic to us. But if it's not something, the Coke machine will probably keep in the, the shop. Sure. Uh, one of the vehicles that we're working on is we're going to come become our shop truck. Nice. But other projects that we get done, when they're finished, we will either auction them off or raffle them off. And then those proceeds will come right back into the program nice. to, to uh, support other projects. Sure. Right now, 100% of our operating cost is taken on by the board. Sure. So that we have, other than the insurance uh, you know, uh, that we've had to have, everything else has been totally covered by the people that put this project together. Nice. So our operating cost... Uh, uh, since the building is on Craig's property, he absorbs, you know, the utilities and stuff. So we have, none of us are salaried. We're all 100% volunteers. So, you know, 99% of every dollar that's donated goes, back goes directly, directly into to, the project. That's important because yeah, nowadays it's just not what we're seeing in so <laughs> well, many of the Well, the average fundraising out there i don't know if you deal with any fundraising or stuff oh, but yeah. the average fundraising out there is 10 to 15 percent of that dollar actually goes to the charity right so in this particular situation i say 99.9 because you know we've and had that's to pay pretty insurance, much what under the shields stuff. and has so been, we, you know we try to keep it it you know everything that's being covered by donations is for the benefit of the people that call yeah. in, yeah. like our phone lines, business cards that we get out, that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really sad when you look at some of these that get lots and lots and lots of money, but it doesn't necessarily go where everybody thinks it's going, mm -hmm. which gives all of us a bad name. Yes, and makes it really difficult to raise money yeah. and. So, you know, I, I see where we can work together a lot, you know, because, again, you don't want me trying to teach somebody how to work on a car or a... Or use a plasma car. Well, that, and, that either. And, again, I want to emphasize, it's not about the car yeah. or the right, project. Right, right, yeah. It's about the journey sure. and the path and the person. But so, I would be a liability in those tools, <laughs> is all I'm telling you. <laughs> well, now you've thrown down the challenge. Oh, no, here <laughs> so you go. We, we put get, you in a bubble we'll, suit. We'll, <laughs> we'll I'm get thinking you about everybody there. around me. <laughs> I'm not worried about me. <laughs> I, I think you'll be perfect on the sandblast. <laughs> oh, I bet I could have fun with that. Yes, absolutely. You, you absolutely. But then it's where am I going to use it after that that might be the question. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we, I, I tend to buy things that... My son was horrified that I was going to something called Shockwave in the desert a few years ago, and they were going to let me shoot a grenade launcher. And he was like, oh, my God, I see her next purchase. <laughs> yeah, it probably wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> well, well, we'll get you out when we start deconstructing. It seems like maybe you deconstructing go. is your, your forte. Probably so, more yeah. so than me putting things back together. Yeah, right. <laughs> so kind of what we will do with each one of our projects is, you know, the team will meet, meet each other and, you know, pick the project. And 
they'll kind of, as a team, decide, okay, do we want to completely restore this item? Do we want to kind of modify this item to, you know, and I use the example of the Coke machine, mm -hmm. okay? Are they going to completely restore that Coke machine to 100% accuracy? Or do they want to make it look like a Coke machine, but make it a gun safe? Sure. Do they want to do something like that? Sure. And they'll come up with a plan on doing it. After they come up with a plan, they'll start tearing it apart, you know. Once they get it tore apart, they may realize that the initial plan is not going to work. It's sure. not going to be cost-effective to completely 100% restore it. So as, they'll, as a group, they'll decide, okay, well, we'll take this direction instead of that direction. And the whole project from start to finish will be the group's decision. But people can come in in the middle of this, or do they have yes. to wait till yes. another group? No, no, no. It, it, no, you it, may not it, be it, there for the completion of the project. It depends on the project. Group. If it's a small project, one team may start and finish it. Okay. The shop truck, for example, it's going to take several teams to complete that project, sure. okay? But the the first team, they're always welcome to come back and kind of see what's going on or help with it. And when it's finished, we'll invite everybody back to be part of the completion of it. But there's no waiting game if somebody tries to get into the program. It's not a situation where they have to wait three weeks for a new project to start to become a part of? It's possible. No, we have several projects on hand. So uh, the only waiting period that there might be is if somebody calls today and says, I want to start your program, um, we'll say, well, come on out. Right now, you're the only person we've got. Next week, we might have four people. So the only waiting would be is that just get in the group, mashing a group together. Right. Okay. You know, massaging that group together would be the only waiting period that we would have. Because uh, so many of the point, programs, there's there's a start and stop, and you have to wait till the new start right. to uh, get into something. We certainly want to be able to have multiple projects going at one time, you okay. know, in different parts. Right now, we're probably limited to uh, probably two groups going at one time because of the mentors that we have. Sure. But as it develops and you get more mentors back, uh, the facility that we have, we're probably limited maybe four groups at going on at one time. Okay. But if it opens up to where we have some other facilities and stuff, hopefully we'll be able to virtually have. There's a number of factors in, in, in making that determination. Sure. It depends on the projects. Sure. It also depends on what you want to work on and the project going at the moment or the teams that we have. You may not want to work on what they want to work on. Right. So you might have to wait based on that. Sure. Um, we are very flexible. So, I mean, if you want in to get going on something right now and we don't have a team to put you on right now, I'm not going to tell you you can't come. Right. You can come. We'll fit you in with whatever we got going on or we'll hand you a project that you can work one-on-one -on -one with. And not everybody's going to want to be in that team environment all the time. Right. So we recognize that. So I think the short answer to your question is if, if you're, you're the only one coming in, mm -hmm. we'll find something for you. Because we don't want to put that person off. And there's we an application wanna... process. Yes. Um, on our website, guardiangarage.org, okay. uh, you can email us. There's also a PDF form you can download and upload to us if you want. Uh, or just send us an interest email and we'll reach back out to you. Um, if you're coming from a mental health system where you're already getting some assistance or a program like yours and some other programs that we've talked to out there, if you're coming from them, 
Uh, we don't need the application process. Okay. You, you, we'll, we'll take those referrals straight on. Gotcha. Um, but if you're hearing us and you're interested and you're not doing anything currently mm-hmm. and you think this might be something that you would be interested in knowing more about, reach out to us. We'll get back to you. We'll be happy to talk to you about it. Come out and visit us. If you're in a different state, be still happy to talk to you about things if that they we want can to do start. for you. A guardian garage. Um, Reach out if they're in another state and this is something that piques your interest. Absolutely. Reach out to you and you can help them in that process. And, uh, you know, we're not beyond getting online and working remotely with somebody if that's what they want to. We don't want (laughs) to, we don't want to turn anyone away. Um, Recognizing there's some limitations to what we have time-wise and, you know, how many of us right now are actually able to work with people. Um, But, and, and again, I want to emphasize too, we're not professional healthcare people. And uh, we'll respect everyone's privacy and confidentiality, but we are not going to be protected under HIPAA type things. Um, but we have a policy of confidentiality. We're not going to share that information with anybody. And if you are referred to us from a healthcare provider and they want that feedback and you're agreeable to us giving that feedback to your sure. healthcare provider, we'll do that. Um, but if an agency is approaching us, we're, we're not going to provide any information. Yeah, we're not obligated to provide any information Good. to anybody's employer, Sure. anything else. Sure. Great. Well, I, I see a lot of ways the two can complement each other for right. sure. And um, like I said, I've got one that I've already mentioned y'all to, and hopefully he'll be reaching out soon. He's recently retired, and so he's still in that honeymoon phase of retirement. <laughs> <clears throat> but... uh you know, we appreciate you guys driving over. It's a good hour away for those that don't understand the setup here in the Phoenix area. And uh, we're just glad that you have started this, that it's something that came to you, because I think there's a huge need for things like this for a lot of people that there isn't anything equivalent And this is so it. different than what most people are going to seek out. Yes. But, yes. but hearing about it, you know, it's just like, oh, wow, that that could be very interesting. Because a lot of them are probably doing it in their own garage, right. trying to figure yeah. it out. And... It, when you come out and see it, it'll yeah. click. Yes. You know, exactly. it's, it's a little hard to get your head around just talking sure. about it. But when you come out and actually see it, it definitely clicks. And uh, Is there a video of the setup and everything on your website? There's, there's a quick, like, 30-second, I think, video of just kind of a – panoramic view of the shop itself a little bit um during one of our board meetings we kind of videoed a walk around through there we're always posting on facebook uh, things that we've got going on and and information Um, some of it's where to get help things like that i do want to say a big thank you to you for having us out here and for under the shield and what you guys are doing um you know i think that uh, you got involved in this Way sooner than anybody recognized there was a need for it. Which I was is, only 12. You know, <laughs> so um, I'd wish I'd have known about you a long time ago. We uh, hear that a lot. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's it's fantastic, and you're well ahead of the curve. I think we are we're trying to break some ground, too. You are. And, and we're, we're kind of walking in the footsteps you, you created, <laughs> what, 12 years, 15 years ago or longer? 30, 30 years 30. ago. That's why I said so, I was 12 years old. Oh, my old. goodness. Yeah. yeah. See, 30 years. See, I was... I, Figured it. You thought I was only I, 40 years old. Yeah, you yeah. had me on that. So. <laughs> yeah. Get those glasses checked. <laughs> and kind of like Craig said, you know, both of us, 
you know, in law enforcement, every time I was on the news, it was followed two years later with a civil subpoena. Right. So, you know, you tend to shy away from the, yes. from the limelight. Yes. So, you know, the videos and all that kind of stuff is kind of a new sure. environment for us. Sure. So you'll see that changing and our webpage Good. is always developing and, and, and changing and stuff. Good. But, uh, I guess to and, me, the most important message we want to get out is contact us. Uh, we're willing to try to work with anybody and we want it to be as flexible and as stress-free as possible sure. because that's the whole. And they can reach you through guardiangarage.org. Guardiangarage.org. We'll make sure that's and, in our. And we're also uh, on Facebook, Instagram. We'll, we have a YouTube channel, but haven't done anything with it yet. Is there an email? Uh, you can email Craig or Jerry at guardiangarage.org and it's just okay. Craig at guardiangarage.org or Jerry at guardiangarage.org. Um, and, he, and that information is also on the website. There's some information about all of our backgrounds and the boards on the website. Good. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're here. We want to hear from people that need to help. Sure. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out. I, I'm here to tell everyone listening. There's nothing wrong with you that Right. All of us have an experience. You're all crazy. Let's just flat out admit that. <laughs> well, we but were crazy to take the job. But that's what, that's what I mean. That's the, but, that's know, the yeah. foundation. It's, it's, but you're not mentally ill. Correct. It's, it's all uh, the normal yes. course of going through this career. And it's time that we own up to that, face it, and be willing to openly discuss it. Make and, it better for the future generations that in, will do this same job. Well, yeah. I had a lieutenant explain it to me one time. We were talking about another situation, another officer. And he said, he's just having a natural reaction to an abnormal situation. Absolutely. And you can't do this job, whether it be military or from the dispatcher on down to the line person that goes out to it. Sure. You can't see that much. Human pain and suffering. And, and not be affected in one way, shape, or another. Whether you get great big calluses and block everything in the world out, or at some point, you know, we, one example I use is we put stuff on that back shelf of our brain. We put it on the back shelf because we don't want to deal with it now. We don't want to deal with it now. Well, if you don't do want to deal with it on your terms, at one point you're going to put something on that back shelf and it's going to break. That's the garbage can we talk about. And then you're dealing with it whether you want to or not. Absolutely. So that's what I try to explain to people. I never try to tell somebody I know how you feel. Right. Because you haven't walked in their shoes at that particular day. You can only talk about your experience. I will tell them how I felt. And a lot of times you'll see their eyes kind of like, oh, he does understand. Sure. But the other thing is somebody might have a very traumatic response to something that seems very insignificant. But you don't, you never know what's going on in their life, their personal life or whatever, what they've seen in the past week, what they've seen in the past month. Or, like I said, it just happens to be the last thing on that shelf. It can be what's happening at home. Six right. kids, six right. spouse. It's not just work stuff. Yes. It's all in the same garbage yes. can. That's why they call it triggers. Yes. yes. Right? And so, so you never know what. You might experience one thing today, and you deal with it totally different than you would another time sure. because of all of those other things that are going on in your life at that time. Sure. So there's no right way to deal with that situation. Right. You deal with it the best way you can. And that and, a lot of times requires other people's input and, to be able to And that's to show back to my line is done. you have to do it, but you don't have to do it by yourself. Yep. Yep. We'll be there to help. 
Well, we appreciate you guys coming. And for those of you listening, uh, we want to make sure, again, you know you can call us 24-7, 365 days a year. Tom will be happy to answer your call. (laughs) (laughs) No, it'll come to one of us. Um, You'll always get a stress coach. And our number, our toll-free number is 855-889-2348. My cell number is 334-324-3570. And my cell phone number is 480-861-6574. And you can text us on our cell phones. We will never ask your name or who you work for. We may ask what part of the country you're in to see if we have stress coaches in your area, if you would like to meet with them. Um, We do have stress coaches all over the country and in Canada. And spouses, significant other, Kids, adult kids, whatever, call us also. We're not just here for the first responder. We're here for families uh, because it is a lifestyle. Everybody's impacted, and uh, we can maybe help guide and steer you in a direction if the first responder's not willing to call us or the military. Um, you know, maybe there's a way we can encourage you to make that happen, and we just want you to reach out to us. Again, you're not going to get voicemail We don't even have your phone number if you hit extension 1 when you call the 855-889-2348. We appreciate the sacrifices each of you make, especially the families. don't think people realize how much families sacrifice in this industry. And we just encourage you to reach out. And and if you want to be a part of Under the Shield, uh, we will be doing another stress coach certification here in uh, the Chandler, Phoenix area. Um, the week of June 20th. To be a stress coach, you have to have done it, been married to it, raised by it, or given birth to it. We're not worried about educational background. We found that's not what we do. And uh, we just appreciate you listening to us. And yeah, we'll see if Tom's back next week. (laughs) So far, he's continuing to show up. Yeah, well, I was thinking about going to San Diego. Nope, not happening. Uh, he doesn't know it, but I put one of those, what's it called, switch kill things, uh, kill switch things Like it's in the border. Yeah, he, he hits so many miles out, the car cuts off. <laughs> These are the gray days there, ain't <laughs> Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> but thank you again for listening and supporting us at Under the Shield. Uh, all of our website stuff, emails, and everything will be posted with this. And if you have questions, comments, people you'd like for us to have on, topics you'd like to hear us discuss, email us. Yes. Let us know. That would be kind of interesting to see uh, what what your interests are, and we'll right. do our best to get somebody on here. All right. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week. Yeah, God bless you, your families, and this great nation that we live in, and thank you again for listening. <laughs>